0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. There is breaking news. Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Redskins, now called the Commanders, has agreed to sell the team for $6 billion. Uh, it'll be the largest uh, sales price for an NFL team, breaking the Walton family, buying the Broncos for like four point seven billion dollars a couple years ago. Uh, People have been trying to get Dan Snyder out of the Redskins team uh, ownership for a very long time. I'm sorry, the Washington football team or the commanders or whatever you call it. It's the Redskins. Y'all all all know it. And he's going to sell it. Uh, He's going to sell it, according to sources at the New York Times, breaking the story right now. He's going to sell it to Josh Harris. Josh Harris owns the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. Uh, there you have it uh, this is actually a big deal today after trying to them trying to get rid of Snyder for years Mike Magic Johnson is going to be one of the limited partners involved in the purchase of the Redskins so that's news happening right now uh, you know what I, I'm going to go on well yeah I want to go on and start this hour get, 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 take these phone calls before I move on to the spy who turns out not to be a spy uh, Brandon you're going to be up first today welcome
1: Hi, Eric. Hope you're doing well today. I am. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. It's time for this weather. But uh, yeah. I wanted to comment on the whole uh, electric vehicle situation. I noticed yesterday when the Biden administration trying to cram it down our throats that he wants two thirds of the cars on the road, you know, within the next 10 years or so to be electric vehicles. Now, I personally don't own one, don't really plan on getting one, but you know if we're forced to i guess we're forced to i have twin uh twin sons and a daughter that's about 18 months younger than them who will be driving in about 10 years and it got me thinking if all of us had to drive an electric vehicle how would we be able to charge those daily um i looked it up yeah. it said it's like six plus hours to charge one how would yep. we all charge it well i got i gotta set an alarm at two o'clock in the morning to move my car out so I can move my kid's car in so that he can get to school the next well, day or Brandon, this is know, actually to so disincentivize
0: many, you buying yeah. them cars, make them use the bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah, well, there's listen. so many multi-family houses now. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, so many adult children that either move back home or never leave, you know, you could potentially have six vehicles at one house that all need to be charged at the same time. And a lot of houses are only one car, maybe two car garages. Yeah. And you, know, and you leave the electric cars either, outside
0: so. at night in the winter time. the charge goes away yeah. because the lithium batteries don't hold the charge. They, they, they don't care about these things. That they're they are They don't want to think about these things. They just want you to go buy the cars. You'll deal with the ramifications, not them. Uh, yeah, which is just exactly. the frustration of it. it. It really, really is. I, I guess I'm going to next next car I buy with an internal combustion engine, I guess I'm going to have it for the rest of my life because I don't want to have to deal with those hassles. Brandon, thanks for the phone call. Colin, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Thanks, Eric. And, Eric, I want you to be my next governor, so you just oh. think about that. Well, all I will tell you is that I, if I were to write down your phone number right now, my wife would track you down and bury you under Creek somewhere. <laughs> I
1: don't blame her. I do not blame her. Hey, uh, Eric, another
0: unintended consequence of electric vehicles. I do a lot of bass fishing, and I pull a big old bass boat. With an electric vehicle, you can expect about 250-mile range. If you're not pulling anything, if you're pulling... You're going to cut that in half and possibly sixty percent. So I'm going to get maybe a hundred miles and then stop for sixty-eight hours to to charge it. Look, uh, unless you're unless you got one of the super high-speed chargers, yeah, you're going to have all sorts of problems. You know. Um, so yeah, Philip is a possible. bass fisherman and he's got his truck and his bass boat and. Uh, God bless him if you were to have like the, the, what, the Ford F 150 electric. Uh, they, they've been somewhat skeptic, they, they've been somewhat hesitant publicly to give you the numbers on towing and stuff like that because of how much <laughs> it actually drains. Uh, you can charge your house with the battery from from the F-150, but good luck getting real metrics on what you can do when you're towing something. It's true. I mean, look at the people who have uh, fifth wheels that, that they haul behind their trucks. Good luck exactly. with your battery powered yeah. vehicle.
1: They're, they're not going to go 45 miles.
0: The people who are coming up with these regulations don't live in the real world. They live in uh, Washington and Los Angeles and New York City. And they really simply do not care. They they do not care, and that is ultimately the problem. Now, I want to switch gears into this story. The Washington Post. It took them six days, but they believe they have found the leaker. You know, the leaker, the leaker of the National Intelligence information that is circulated, showing that we were overcounting the um. Overcount or undercounting the war dead in Ukraine publicly. We were spying on a lot of allies, including South Korea, Taiwan, uh, Israel, the French. Of course, we're spying on those. Everybody knew we were spying on them, but now they know what we got. Uh, happening right now, federal investigators have been have raided the home of an Air National Guardsman they believe to be the person. I'm not going to give the name of the person, but here's what we know there was a Discord group. Discord is a messaging uh, software platform a lot of gamers use. And this guy set up a channel called Thug Shaker Central. 20 to 30 mostly young men and teens came together over uh, guns and video games and faith, among other things. The New York Times also says racist online memes. And they bonded and shared information during lockdown. It was an invite-only group. You had to know the people to get into the group. And this guy in particular was 21 years old and was able to gather classified intelligence documents, and not because he wanted to be a spy, not because he was working for the Chinese, as I assumed, or the Russians or anyone else. He just wanted to show how cool he was, and the access to the information he had so that all the 20 or 30-something other guys in this group could be in the know. They could be smarter than everyone else. They could have the secret, super-secret inside information. And a lot of them acknowledge that there was so much military ease in the documents, half of them didn't know what the hell they were reading. This guy had to in- interpret it. Here's the, the, the readout right now. This is actual breaking news happening here. Around a half-dozen rifle-carrying FBI agents pushed onto the property of a 21-year-old Air National Guardsman who investigators believe is linked to a trove of leaked classified U.S. intelligence documents which have upended relations with American allies and exposed weaknesses in the Ukrainian military. A member of the intelligence wing of the Massachusetts Air National Guard, the man is tied to an online group where the leaked documents first appeared. First identified by the New York Times is, well, I don't want to give his name. He oversaw an online group named Thug Shaker Central, where about 20 to 30 people, mostly young men and teenagers came together. Two US officials confirmed that investigators want to talk to the airmen about the leak of the government documents to the private online group. One official said he might have information relevant to the investigation. Starting months ago, the authorities say one of the users of the online group uploaded hundreds of pages of intelligence briefings into the small chat group, lecturing its members who had bonded during the isolation on the importance of staying abreast of world events. The New York Times spoke with four members of the group where the airman served as group administrator. While the gaming friends would not identify the group's leader by name, a trail of digital evidence linked it to this airman. Here's what we know. Details of the interior of the Airman's childhood home, including postings on social medias match details on the margins of some of the photos of the leaked secret documents. Members of the Thug Shaker Central Group who spoke to The Times said the documents they discussed online were meant to be informative and started to get wider attention only after one of the teenage members took a few dozen of them and posted them to a public forum. The person who leaked, they said, was no whistleblower, and the secret documents were never meant to leave their corner of the Internet. President Biden told reporters the United States was getting close to finding the leaker. The leaked documents reveal sensitive materials, maps of Ukrainian air defenses, a review of South Korea's secret plans to deliver ammunition to Ukraine but it's the immediate relevance of the intelligence that worries the White House. Some of the documents are barely 40 days old. This guy wanted his friends to know how cool he was and share a bunch of information with them, and it was a teenager didn't realize the gravity of the situation and shared this stuff. Of course it was going to be something stupid like this. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's remarkable. But here's the thing, and... This is the bothersome part of this inside and outside of the government inside fortune 500 companies and beyond 20 somethings getting into positions where they have some level of power are deciding to exert themselves in ways we haven't seen before with no recognition that it is not their company. It is not their right to do certain things it is not their information. This 21-year-old, if he's the leaker, and it may be that they wanna get to him to see who else it is, but as the New York Times said, uh, the background images from these pictures look like the house he lived in. If it's him, he decided he didn't need authority, he wanted to puff himself up by sharing confidential information, and he's undermined a war effort abroad. He's put people's lives in danger, and it never even crossed his mind a bit. I, I guarantee you it never crossed his mind. And then the teenager, of course, it wasn't going to be him. He didn't mean it to be nefarious, even if it broke the law. It was the teenager who then leaked it to the Minecraft channel. Hey, guys, look at what I'm looking at in this other stuff. You can be in the know, too. You know the moment this airman realized that it happened, he knew he was toast. My goodness gracious, the people who think that, that they have the right to do this sort of stuff, and it, it is a particular breed of 20-something these days. And listen, if you're in your 20s, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not disparaging your entire demographic and, and your age group. You know what I'm talking about. I suspect that there are people in your cohort who, um, given their background, given where they are in life, they just somehow think that they are entitled to operate in certain ways. And in this case, this guy thinking that, wanting to puff himself up, show his importance, has undermined a global war effort, has undermined the intelligence of the United States, has undermined our ability to collect intelligence, has undermined the war efforts of other countries to help the Ukrainians, did all of that just to puff himself up with his friends. That's truly remarkable. And of course, it seems way more plausible than a nefarious sleeper cell Trading documents on a little known locked out Discord channel, waiting for it to spread abroad. It's it's this. This it makes total sense when you you know this sort of person, when you've encountered, we've all encountered this sort of person. And now look at what he's done. My goodness. 877-973-7425. That's the number if you want to be on the program. We still got a lot more to go. My goodness gracious, we haven't even gotten to the abortion compromise argument. Yes, we have to talk about that. I keep having friends tell me they realized I was right. Every time you wash sheets from Bowling Branch, they get softer and softer. They're the most luxurious sheets, the highest quality, incredible craftsmanship with just unmatched softness, 100% traceable organic cotton. It gets softer with every wash. I tell you guys that it's true. I can tell you it's a big difference. And I have bought different pairs of sheets to try to find some best. I keep coming back to my Bowling Branch sheets. They're incredible. They're buttery to the touch, super breathable. They're perfect for cooler weather and warmer weather. Why the drape? You actually feel like you've got something of substance on you so you can snuggle in, but you don't get overwhelmingly hot or in the, during the summertime, and it's just the perfect weight under the blanket as well during the wintertime. I love Bolin Branch sheets. They're so luxurious. They're loved by four U.S. presidents. Got over 10,000 raving reviews right now. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at com. That's Branch B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It is Eric Erickson here, the full number, 877-973-7425. Y'all, God bless him. The President of the United States in Ireland talking, let's just, let's just. (laughs) He's just, he's the gift that keeps on giving.
2: I was campaigning for President, and I was out in Colorado, and I was with a man who's family had been — he was a former senator — a man whose family had been in the United States since the conquistadors for generations. And he kept — and there were a whole lot of people standing across a refurbished rail station in western — excuse me, in eastern Colorado. And there was literally 10,000 people on the other side of the track waiting to hear me speak. And he kept saying, now, Joe, remember, remember, these people are not, these are my people. They're Hispanic. They're not used to being taken. You got to show respect in Syria. I said, I understand. And he kept, kept it up. Finally, I turned to Mr. God's truth. This refurbished train station, okay? It had like linen kind of wallpaper on it. And about every 20 feet, there was a brass plaque that saying, no Irish allowed. I said, I get it. I get it.
0: What? What does he get? And, then this.
2: and I never understood what he meant when he said, Joey, I worry about you. He leaned over. I said, Pop, what do you worry about? He said, You're too much you're too much like that guy who led the revolution. Instead of the guy who was the prime minister. I said who's he said, You gotta be less like the military guy they shot him
0: (laughs) what what is this what is this this is joe biden i guess to some degree a little bit devoid of context um
2: (laughs) I wasn't gonna say this, but I'll say it anyway. The idea was, I later learned from the Irish Times, they did some little background check and my good friend, Barack Obama, and he is my good friend, his grandfather was a shoemaker like mine.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, wait, hang on, one more.
2: And uh, I didn't play rugby except when I was out of school, out of law school, and I didn't play it very well. We played in a rugby club. But, uh, I did play American football and a few other sports, but I realized that, you know, you guys are all nuts.
0: <laughs> oh, grandpa, Joe, grandpa dementia talking to the Irish parliament. They're like, what, um, get us the Chinese time for new allies. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is the, this, this, this is our president. Yes, he's your president. He's my president. We only have one president and he is the president of the United States of America there in Ireland. Oh, wait, there's, there's, hang on. Uh, There's one more about the rugby player. This is different venue. He's really set on
2: talking about rugby over there. You see this tie I have with a shamrock on it? This was given to me by one of these guys. Right here, it was a hell of a rugby player. They beat that little black and tan. Oh, God. It was... but, but it was when you were at a Soldier Field, wasn't it? The Chicago. Chicago. And uh, after it was all over, uh, uh, he uh, gave my brother, allegedly for me, but if it wasn't, I still took it. I still got the tie. I wore it with great pride. And so, thank you all for the homecoming welcome. I- Okay, Joe. Oh, boy.
0: So from that, how's about we pivot to abortion? Everybody's favorite topic, killing babies. (laughs) Oh, my. When we come back, the Republicans moving into 2024, more and more data out there showing that uh, overwhelmingly Americans consider themselves pro-life, but not pro-life from the moment of birth. How do you navigate it? Well, you've got to find a way to navigate it. Uh, whether federalism is the answer or not, Tim Scott is out now saying that he is in favor of a national 20 week abortion ban. Um, how do we navigate this? I've got some thoughts. I'm happy to take your calls as well on a rather sensitive topic. Howdy. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, uh, i got to talk about this issue. <clears throat> yeah, and it is one I actually do need to talk about. Where do Republicans go on the life issue? It, it, it's kind of remarkable to me, and I don't mean this. Some people are so hypersensitive these days. They, they think I'm attacking them personally or insulting them, and I'm really not. It, it just really is remarkable to me. Maybe I've missed something, but the pro-life movement finally got what it wanted, which was to start having the conversation on what to do about life. Uh, that, that's what the Dobbs decision, Dobbs versus Jackson's women health means. Uh, Roe versus Wade was imposed by the United States Supreme court on America in the 1970s in contravention of the rules of over 40 States, which had uh, anti-abortion laws. And the Democrats have honed their argument about the, the Supreme Court. It, it was overruling the will of the people. It was a uh, bad precedent, whatever, and totally ignoring that that's what Roe v. Wade did. And all Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health did was return us to the status quo ante where we could actually have a state-by-state conversation about what to do about abortion instead of having the Supreme Court impose one-size-fits-all on America. It is a deeply divisive issue. And it seems like there are parts of the country that are more pro-life than other parts of the country. There are some parts of the country where if you are a pro-life abolitionist, you will not get elected. There are some parts of the country where if you are abortion on demand until the moment of birth, you will not get elected. And we should be able to, across the nation, have the conversations in order to decide how we're going to proceed. As a practical matter, There are a number of states where if you decide uh, we need to outlaw all abortions with no exceptions, you're going to get Democrats elected who will then impose at the federal level Roe v. Wade on demand, statutorily, making it very hard to get rid of. If you go into Wisconsin, if you go into Michigan, even if you go into a place like Pennsylvania and you say no abortion at all, that's what I demand and you are a candidate who says no abortion ever, if elected, I will abolish abortion and throw women in jail who have abortions, you're going to get a Democrat elected. You do that enough, in enough places, you get 60 Democrats in the Senate, they codify Roe v. Wade, and you have gone from Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health to Roe v. Wade codified as the law of the land everywhere. Good luck with that. I have friends who are abolitionists. By abolition, I mean they want not just the prohibition of abortion, but if you commit abortion, you get charged with murder. They want that. It is a theological view for them. They believe abortion is murder, and we should convict women who have abortions of a murder. Good luck imposing that on the country. You're not going to we live in a hedonistic licentious country where people have been taught for multiple generations now you can have sex without consequence one of the consequences of sex is pregnancy and you can have an abortion you don't have to use birth control and you can kill the kid and live life without the consequence you've got to change the hearts and minds on that interestingly enough one of the side effects of the dobbs decision is something like three hundred some thousand uh, pregnancies that otherwise would not have happened. What you more often than not find, study after study shows, is that women who wanted an abortion who ultimately had the child tend to become pro-life and realize uh, they shouldn't that, that that they didn't really want the abortion and glad they didn't have it. Overwhelmingly, this is the case. It's not in every case. But again, let's not let the exceptions become the rule. The rule tends to be, the default tends to be, that women who are pro-abortion, who have a child, become more pro-life. And women who wish to have an abortion, who don't have the abortion, tend to reject abortion once they've had the child and are glad they didn't have the abortion. That's the rule. The exception is the angry ones that come on TV and say, I wish I had been able to murder my child. I don't love my child. Oh, sweetheart, don't listen to me. I'm talking to the TV cameras. I don't love my child. I wish I could have killed her. There's just a reality here though, just a reality. The abortion on demand position will be an easier sell to the American public than a no abortion ever position. Because the abortion on demand people can say, well, if you don't want one, don't have one. The no abortion ever position will be, well, just don't have sex. And in our hedonistic licentious country, that's not going to be a winnable proposition in most of the country. In Georgia, Republicans were able to pass a fetal heartbeat ban, as some other southern states have. Ron DeSantis is on the verge of signing a six-week abortion ban in Florida. In Florida, they have a constitutional provision that prohibits the complete outlawing of abortion. The Republicans think they can get it to six weeks. And he's not going to pay a consequence for that in Florida. They'll vote for him, they'll vote Republican. But in a Colorado, in a Missouri, in an Ohio, in a Wisconsin, in a Michigan, in an Arizona, in a Nevada, some of them swing states, some of them have drifted to the left. You're not going to get that. And what you're going to get is more Democrats elected. Republicans need to think practically about this. If they want to do it on a federalized basis, they need to start making that case uh, that we should let the states decide and not every state will decide the same way. And then Republicans in those states are going to have to realize if you want to win at that state level, You can't have an anti-abortion zealot as your face. If, for example, in the state of Michigan, you wish to win in the state of Michigan, you're not going to be able to have someone who's as pro-life as me win. This is the weird, wild thing that everyone seems to uh, forget about politics these days. Not every state is the same. I've got friends of mine who are furious with the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee because he signed an executive order uh, requiring um, information be put into the Background Check Administration in order to beef up background checks for people buying guns, and then he supported a red flag law in the state of Tennessee. He also, by the way, this hasn't been reported anywhere. You know when the Democrats in Tennessee were protesting and decided to pull out the bullhorn, you know what it overshadowed? The Republicans were passing legislation that would beef up school security to prevent school shootings. And those three Democrats voted against increased security at schools. And that hasn't come out of the media, has it? That's what they were opposing is increased security at schools after the Nashville shooting. And no one in the media held them accountable for that. But Bill Lee's administration pushed not just that. Bill Lee's administration also now wants red flag laws. And a number of my friends are very upset with him because it looks to them like he's trying to find common ground. At a moment, the left is trying to, to push for gun bans, and they were unhappy with him. If I were him, I wouldn't have done that at the time because I get the cinnamon, and it, it alienates him from the right, and it's not going to help him with the left. But I also understand his family lost a friend in the Nashville school shooting, and he has people who worked for him whose kids went to that school. I understand the situation. I'm not going to attack Bill Lee for doing what he thought necessary at the time, whether I agree with him or not. What I have pointed out to my friends, however, is that Tennessee is not a rock-rib bastion of conservatism anyway. For gosh sakes, it sent Bill, Bob Corker and Lamar Alexander to Washington, D.C. Those are two fine men, but they're not exactly conservatives. They're, they're, they're not exactly conservative culture warriors. Uh, Bill Haslam is a great guy. He's now in the U.S. Senate. He's not exactly that much of a culture warrior either. He is now for campaigns, but he never has been. He's a fine guy. I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying that Tennessee Republicans tend not to be the hardcore firebrand culture warrior Republicans at the national level. It, it The same holds through in Georgia where Brian Kemp is a good conservative guy. I don't mean to cast dispersions on him. He's a personal friend of mine, but Brian Kemp is not some sort of um, – firebrand, Ted Cruz-style culture warrior. It wouldn't work in Georgia. That's not the sort of Georgians who get elected at the state level. Never has been. This is the state of Johnny Isaacson and Saxby Chambliss and Sonny Perdue, all fine people, all good conservative governors, but they're not the iconoclasts. Uh, The Republicans in Georgia don't like the iconoclasts. Texas might. Louisiana might. Florida might. South Carolina might. Uh, but you've got to be able to pick candidates who match the profile of the state in which you are elected. And in some states, you can get by with firebrand iconoclasts as candidates, and in some states, you can't. I would say in most states, you can't. You've got to find candidates who align with voters. And what it turns out after the Dobbs decision is female voters in particular, but even some men, care desperately about the resolution of abortion where they do not want the absolutist position on either side. They don't want, most voters do not want abortion on demand until birth, but they would rather abortion on demand until birth say, well, if I don't want one, I don't have to get one, than to have no abortion at all at any time from the moment of conception. That's just the political reality of it. And if you go for no abortion at any time ever from the moment of conception, you're going to get a lot of Democrats elected who will then go to Washington, D.C., codify Roe v. Wade and give us abortion on demand until the moment of birth. So, Republicans, you gotta think this through. And you gotta come up with a position. I think a 15 to 20 week national abortion ban probably can be sold to the American public. I've seen enough polling to believe it could be. A late term abortion ban, most Americans are abhor the idea of a late term abortion ban. But also the Democrats throw off the hard decisions. A buddy of mine who is unquestionably pro-life is a lawyer for pro-life groups. He tells people behind the scenes all the time, you've got to own the hard cases and accommodate them. The child who was raped, you, you probably need to accommodate that. The abuse victim, you might need to accommodate that. We accommodate the mother will die. Very, very few abortion laws preclude life of the mother. You, you got to accommodate that. Maybe not in every state, but in most states. The problem here, as I perceive it ultimately, is this. The pro-life movement won big. They are the dog that caught the car and have not figured out what to do with the car now that they've caught it. The abortion activists have already moved on and are advancing on other fronts as well, including the transgender front and all the other culture war fronts. What's next for the pro life movement? what is the cause that galvanizes all the pro-lifers who may not like or agree with each other on all sorts of issues, but have always agreed on that issue. They're going to have to find some level of common ground. They're going to have to find some way to advance and they're going to have to find some way to compromise with the culture around them that is more and more decadent, more and more hedonistic, more and more licentious, and more and more see sex as just a form of pleasure, not as a not as a means of reproduction. If you can't speak into that culture without some level of absolutism that turns people off, you're going to lose and undermine the very thing you're seeking to accomplish. You will undermine the pro-life cause if you embrace absolute absolutism and make the most prominent voices of the movement the cold hearts with no grace after winning. Do not be graceless in your win, but figure out a way to to alleviate the fears and worries of a whole lot of people who might vote for your candidates but won't if they come across as zealots. You got to be careful about that. And I don't know that Republicans have really thought this through. You got some time before 2024, but you better hurry it up. Now, I got to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because you can get the three pack for less than $200 right now at EdenPureDeals.com. What is it? The Eden Pure is an air purifier. It is filterless, so you don't have to get a filter subscription. It's got electrostatic plates that trap the dust and the pollen and the mildew and the mold. You just wipe it out on occasion. But also, it's an odor eliminator, and this is how I use it. If I have a rental car or a hotel room that stinks, someone's been smoking in it, or it's musty, fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, and it wipes out those odors. You can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV, your travel bag like I do. You can plug it up with a USB cord, or you can plug it directly into the wall. The way to do it is to go to EdenPureDeals.com. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, pure as the driven snow, deals. EdenPureDeals.com. On the front page of the site, you'll see a radio show host discount code box. You put in ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, and then you'll see the deal, three for less than $200. You're saving $200. You get free shipping. It's EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC erick hello there it is eric erickson here the full number well it's too late you're out of time that's fine okay i i need to tell you what i'm going to do so i do like science fiction and the mandalorian they had the campy episode. yeah it was a campy episode a lot of people didn't like it i didn't mind i think you're entitled to a campy episode on occasion uh, and they had the campy episode. I haven't seen last night's episode, and I wait until Thursday or Friday. Why? Because on Thursdays, Picard's episode comes out. Now, I was a Star Trek fan growing up. Always liked Star Trek. And I grew up as when I was really young, they would air in syndication the original Star Trek episodes, which were fine. But then I, I really, I would stay up on Sunday nights and I would watch uh, the next generation, Star Trek, the next generation with, with Captain Picard. And my mom and dad, I, I, I kind of was a feral child to a degree. It was a free range childhood. My parents were like, eh, if your grades are good, you're not getting in trouble. No big deal, whatever. And so I would stay up until after midnight because Star Trek would come on at 11 p.m. on a Sunday night. And so I was going to school on Mondays, having stayed up past midnight to watch the, the episodes of, of Star Trek. And I loved the movies. My science teacher in high school allowed me to skip school to go see Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And then I had to write a one-page report on all the the things that were so badly reflective of science and things like that. It was a lot of fun. Um, But my parents got to take me to see Star Trek. I always loved it. And these last two seasons of the show, Picard, have been utter crap. They've been horrible. And I have watched them. Bitterly disappointed with every episode, and then suddenly this season, it's amazing. New episode's out tonight. I haven't seen it. I want to see it. And last night's Mandalorian episode, all of my friends who deeply despised last week's episode said this is the best episode ever. And so I've got two incredible episodes. All my friends who've seen Picard already today, I'm on this email list, and they're all a bunch of nerds. And they're all like, oh, my gosh, can you – no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. This was amazing. Mind-blowing. So I get to go sit down tonight and watch them. But I'm supposed to be on CNN, Aaron Burnett's show, after 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight. And I kind of expect it's going to get canceled uh, given the news of the discovery of the leaker and Joe Biden's trip. And I'm really hoping it gets canceled. Because all I want to do is sit on my front porch and watch TV tonight. It's been a long week already. Uh, these last couple of weeks, that trip to the Masters alike, have thoroughly exhausted me, mentally and physically. You know, I've hit that middle age, I guess. Where like, normally, I can stay up with friends and stuff, and I can be on my front porch all night and get up the next morning, and I'm not worn out. But just the grueling travel. And if I wasn't in so much pain, so I don't know if I told you, it turns out I did crack that uh, spur on my heel, and it's apparently like pushing into the the tendon, and the tendon swelling is causing a bigger crack, which is causing more swelling, and it is just excruciating pain. And I finally yesterday they put me on steroids, and I feel better today than I felt for the last couple of weeks because I'm not in just nonstop chronic pain when I get up. And I guess if I if if I hadn't been in so much pain this past week, I wouldn't be so physically mentally exhausted. But I have been today. Finally, thankfully. I feel mostly normal in my feet. I can walk without hobbling like an old man everywhere. And now I just want to go home in the rain and watch Star Trek and The Mandalorian and totally geek out on science fiction. So that's where I will be, and I will see you all tomorrow.